Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. Gun Battle on Their Campout by Gladys King Taylor. Hey, Don, David called as classes let out on Wednesday afternoon. It's vacation till Monday. Let's go camping tonight before the weather changes. Sure, but we'll have to ask our mothers first, Don answered. Don was 16, and David, a year younger, was already as tall as his father. But although they were old enough to take care of themselves, both mothers hesitated. The boys lived in Cuba, and there had been a revolution there for many months. One of the worst battles had been fought right around the city where Don and David lived. The boys had a collection of machine gun shells they had picked up in their own backyards. Everybody in town had been impressed by the long-haired, bearded rebel soldiers. They were friendly, tireless young men. And even now, though the fighting was over, groups of soldiers still patrolled the island. Some of the soldiers from the other side were also still at large. Camping under such conditions would be risky business. But the boys were so eager that the mothers finally gave in and told them they could go. After all, they would be spending the night on a hill only five miles from home. The two boys wasted no time getting out their sleeping bags and packing food for supper and breakfast. Then they began the five-mile hike with their backpacks. Ahead of them was the challenging climb up Pelo Malo. Look over there, Don said. That farmer's staring at us. He probably thinks we're a couple of patrols, David laughed. Wouldn't that be fun, to be taken for a couple of rebels? But we don't have beards or long hair, Don said. He knows we aren't guerrillas, but we could be mistaken for soldiers from the other side, and that could be bad. Walking across an open field in broad daylight? Wouldn't that be stupid? The boys soon approached steeper ground at the rocky base of Pelomalo and started climbing. Talk subsided, then ceased almost entirely. The ledge toward which the boys climbed formed part of a great cliff. Near the face of the cliff stood a huge upright rock. A smaller rock had fallen between the cliff and the upright rock. There was a tunnel under the small rock about 15 feet long. Don and David knew that if they crawled through the tunnel, they would reach the ledge, and that's where they planned to spend the night. We made it, David said as he stood up after crawling through the tunnel. You know, a lot of people would think we're crazy to go through all this work just to sleep on a rocky bed, but they don't realize that a sunset from down there isn't half as magnificent as a sunset up here. It's like standing at the top of the world. I think I'd feel better with a sandwich in my stomach, Don said, throwing off his pack. Let's spread out our sleeping bags first, David suggested. Then, as soon as we eat, we can lie down and watch the stars come out. Shoes and shirts were off, beds laid out and ready to crawl into, and supper half-eaten when suddenly a hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo sounded from within the cave. Both boys reached for their flashlights. Stealthily, they approached the cave opening and shone their lights inside. Nothing. There must be an owl around here somewhere, Don said. He settled down to finish his sandwich. Then, without warning, there was a bang-bang-bang below the ledge. The whiz of bullets past their ears made both boys drop flat on their stomachs behind a boulder. Pieces of rock shattered above them. For a few minutes they were so scared they could hardly move. For what seemed an hour, the shooting continued. The boys prayed. They prayed individually, and they prayed together. They asked God to protect them from whatever danger they were in. 
Praying was the only thing they could do as they crouched close together behind the rock. The sun had set about the time the owl hooted. Now the night was getting dark and bullets were still bouncing off the rocks. It's really dark now, David whispered. Keep on your stomach and let's inch ourselves into the cave. We'll be more sheltered there. Slowly, low on their stomachs, the boys pulled themselves to the cave and crawled in. There they sat and tried to figure out what had happened. They decided that soldiers from one side must be shooting, thinking that they were from the other side. If they stopped shooting long enough to hear me yell, David said, I'd tell them who we are. Maybe that will stop them. Dear God, they prayed again, keep the shots from hitting us while we yell, and please make the soldiers understand. David kept his head low as he stuck it outside the cave and shouted. The shooting stopped. We are not soldiers, he called in Spanish. We are boys from the Adventist College, just camping out for the night. What he said wasn't very persuasive. Camping out in the open country during a revolution was risky business, and people in Cuba didn't often go on overnight trips just for the fun of it. The boys would have to give a better answer for themselves. Come down, one at a time, the commander shouted back. All right, David replied. He was afraid to turn on his flashlight, so he felt in the dark for his discarded shirt and shoes. He couldn't locate them, and he must not delay. He fumbled for handholds and footholds to descend the cliff, stumbling and rolling as he bounced down. As he approached the men with the guns, the leader called, Put up your hands and come slowly. David was shaking, but in his heart he was no longer afraid. He was sure God was answering their prayers. The soldiers were not rough, but they searched him thoroughly. They asked his name, where he was from, how old he was, and many other questions. Finally, when David felt they believed him, he said, There is one other boy up there. Neither of us has a weapon. We just like being in the open air and studying the stars at night. Is it okay to call him down? The captain nodded. Since David had lived most of his fifteen years in Spanish-speaking countries, he had spoken to the men in their own language. But when he called to Don to come down, he shouted in English. He heard the soldiers remark under their breath, Es niño americano. He is an American boy. The soldiers were now convinced that David and Don were students, but there were still a few things they wanted explained. While Don was coming down, David listened to the soldiers talking to each other. He learned that a farmer had sent word that two armed men from the other side had been seen walking toward Pelomalo. Soldiers were sent to go and fire at the cliffs to stop them. Meanwhile, more soldiers had been stationed on the far side of the hill. They too had fired at the cliffs, which made the guards on this side of the hill think that the soldiers up on Pelomalo were firing back. They had sent to the city for reinforcements to come and help them take the hill by storm. David looked at his watch for the first time since sunset. No wonder the shooting had seemed endless. More than three hours had passed from the hoo-hoo-hoo of the owl until now. He and Don, mistaken for two soldiers, had been shot at for nearly three and a half hours. The captain seemed satisfied with Don's answers, so David asked if they could go back up and get their things. Not by yourselves, the captain said. Two of my men will go with you. None of the soldiers wanted to climb the steep cliff. Finally, the captain picked out two men and sent them up with the boys. One man had a machine gun and could not make it. He stumbled and rolled back. The other man had a rifle. He took it off and was able to reach the ledge in the light of the boys' flashlights. You two fellows would make good mountain fighters, he said. 
Shoes and shirts on, they returned to the rebel squad and the boys were taken to headquarters. There, the captain tried to get in touch with the Adventist school by phone, but it was late and no one answered. The friendly captain took David and Don in his own private patrol car the six-mile ride out to the school. It was nearly midnight when they arrived. The two boys were exhausted, but thankful that God had answered their prayers. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.